Well, it's good to see you. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, being um, anniversary celebration day, sometimes sermons are a little more theological. Hopefully, they're always biblical, but always sometimes a little more theological, sometimes a little more experiential. Today's going to be a little more experiential uh, with this uh, scripture and with the events that we're here for as far as uh, my anniversary. Uh, but we are still in the series about what happened next, right? After the resurrection, between the power of the Holy Spirit, remember I'll say this a lot, uh, those two things, the resurrected Christ and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit are what made the disciples of the Gospels uh, fumbling, unsure, scared, scattered into the bold uh, proclamation of the disciples and their character uh, in Acts. The difference was the resurrected Christ and the Pentecost uh, that's pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And our series right now is what happened next? What happened in between that? And our story today is one of those events. Uh, the scripture has grown, uh, it's very deep in a lot of areas, but it's also very meaningful for me personally uh, with my walk with the Lord. So I'm gonna kind of read it and tell it because it's a long scripture so we don't uh, drag it out. But it's uh, out of the Gospel of Luke 24. And, and beginning in verse 13, listen for the word of the Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were walking to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. As they were walking with each other, they were talking about all the events that had taken place. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself, he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you all walk along? Uh, I threw that, you can tell I told because that's a Texas. It, they didn't, it doesn't say y'all in here. It says, and they said about all the things that have happened lately. And he said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed and before God and all of the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over and sentenced him de to death and to be crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, on the third day, since all of this took place, in addition, or this was the third day, all of this took place, he said, in addition, some of our women had ran to the tomb and they were amazed that he was not there. And while they were there, they met some angels that told him that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continues as, as if he was going to go farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. 
They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with him on the road? And that he, when he opened the scriptures about all the law and the prophets concerning himself, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem and they found the 11, those with them, and, assembled, and they were assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen he, and he has appeared to Simon. The two of them had happened on the, they told what had happened to the two of them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this, this Wednesday, um, we're going to talk about this maybe in some more theological terms, but there's just a few things I want to point out and I want to talk about. Um, one of the things we recognize in this scripture is that they understood the scripture when Jesus talked about scripture and interpreted through the lenses of himself. You know, when we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the pinnacle of the Christian story, of the gospel story. And to understand all the scriptures, we look through the lenses of this event in this person, Jesus Christ. And it unfolds and it, we understand scripture through that. And so Jesus taught them through his interpretation and how it related to them. And it said that they had hoped so that we still see the, a misunderstanding of how he was supposed to redeem Israel. They had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. And this is, this is the ways of the world. The human mind says that while there is life, there is hope. That's our understanding of things in this world. As long as there's life, there's hope. But the gospel turns everything around in so many ways, but especially in this way, because it is in death that we find life. It is in... Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that we find forgiveness and redemption. And so really, our hope begins with death. Death of the old self, death of our will, death of our love of the world and the love of ourselves, death to all of that so that we might be raised anew by the power of the Holy Spirit and we might no longer want to live by our will, but we want God's will. We want to live in God's will for our lives. And so with death comes hope of the resurrection, comes hope of redemption. Paul writes about this in, in Corinthians chapter 15, when they begin to talk about, whoops, I didn't need that anyway. Uh, when they begin to talk about, some people begin to question the resurrection. And, and, and go read chapter 15 says, okay, Paul says, okay, this is my, again, translation. Okay, people, listen, you understand, I've talked a lot, and we talk about a lot of other things, but the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? That is the pinnacle. That is the foundation of our faith. And so it, everything comes through that. And remember, our, our whole little mini-series right now is about Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, dealing with people dealing with his disciples, revealing himself. And that's our hope and that's our prayer, no matter where we are, that God, that Jesus Christ will continue through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, as in this story of the two on Emmaus, that God will, Jesus will continue to reveal himself more fully to us as we walk along this road of life. That is our prayer. That is our hope. 
And again, it doesn't matter what stage you are are in your life, there's always more revelation. There's always more dying to self that can take place. Also, as part of this, I want to give a little plug is hopefully we come out of the pandemic, maybe next year we'll start doing so. They'll start up the walks to Emmaus, right? Some of you have been on those. Some of you know, some of you don't know, but you should know or you will know. But it's also, a pl- so it's, called, it's based on this scripture, the, the title of these walks, because what it is, you get 40 or 30 pilgrims, depending on it, and they, you, those are the ones that participate, and then you have a bunch of people that have, and they just walk you through this weekend. And you sit at table groups, and you talk about basic Christian topics. It's, it's a short course in Christianity, it's been described as, and, and talks like justification, sanctification, basic stuff, means of grace, things we all should know. But it hits them and gives personal testimony. Then at your table group, you talk about them, and you grow closer and closer. There's different chapel times and communion. And it sounds pretty good. Like one person that I worked said, uh, when they described it, it sounded like a never-ending Sunday school, right? That doesn't sound too appetizing, but the reason they call it to walk to Emmaus because no matter how you came to it, as the weekend goes on, you kind of feel Jesus walking alongside of you. And at some point, for almost all the participants, your eyes are opened to the truth about Christ. And you are drawn closer. And you have that, that, that image as described or that feeling described. You get it in the walk where you say, we're not our hearts burning within us as we shared about Jesus? Well, that's, that's the revelation. And so that's basically the outline of the walk. And for, like I said, the vast majority of people that I've sponsored or been with, it works like that every time. Different at different times in different places. But almost always, their eyes get open to a more fuller revelation of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't have to be on a walk. That's, that's our whole life, right? That's what we do. Um, we, we walk alongside of Jesus, and as we do, Jesus reveals more and more of himself to us. And here's the kind of testimonial part. So, uh, some of you have heard in, in, in Bible school, or, or, or I mean, not Bible school, small groups, maybe I've shared a little bit, but just a short testimony about how my eyes were closed. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church. I grew up in uh, Chicago, single mom, played sports, didn't uh, know Jesus, didn't know scripture. You know, I, I've said in here the the Carl Jung quote about the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, it'll tell you. Well, the world told me I was a partying, self-centered jock, right? And that's how I acted um, for a majority of my life. And then I began to think there's got to be something more in this world, something more, something better to this world, not just this. You know, I was floundering in school. Um, I was, had school debt, and I was just kind of floundering. And it began, the Holy Spirit, we know it in his Methodist, as this provenient grace, began to woo me and call me and say there's something better. And I didn't really have Christians in my life, so I didn't know. But what I did have for my entire life, I might have shared this piece, was a praying grandma. And every time I went to a small town in Indiana, when I left, she would whisper in my ear, um, I say a little prayer for you each night before I go to bed. 
And whether I was four years old or a crazy college kid and 19 years old, she always whispered that in my ear. And I always left feeling a little peace, definitely not understanding it, maybe thinking it was just grandma, but always left feeling a little more peace. And so when I came to this time in my life, when I began to question how I was living and uh, what the world was about, I remembered my grandma's prayers. And so I started praying. I didn't know, know any fancy religious words. I just said, pray, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm losing all my goals in my life. I wanted to be a football player in college. That lasted about a week before I quit. Um, and then I wanted a family. I wanted a big family. Uh, I guess because I was always a kid with a single mom. And I just began to pray. I don't know how I'm going to get these things. I even had my oldest son's name picked out uh, in high school. So it was not something you would think of me if you knew me. I, was, I remember I was in detention one of the many days. And, uh, and I thought, I want a son. I want his name to be Zachary. I don't know where it came from. But, but I realized if I continued down the path I was going, you know, I, I didn't know. So I just began to pray. And things began to change. I, got back, I changed jobs. I got back in school at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And it was during this time that I met my wife. I call her a specific answer from God to a general prayer. Now, she met me where I was. She had graduated from Texas Tech and a degree in business or marketing or something. But she was a flight attendant for American for a while, and, and we met up there. And that's where we met, and we knew each other for two months. Some of you know this story. Some of you, you might be shocked. Two months, and God gets you together where, the way you need to be together. And so we knew I was going to have a rough road, a lot of questions, and so he decided to use my craziness and her being a little naive and so I'll, I'll cut, that's another story for another time. But to cut to the chase, after about two or three months of knowing each other, we were going to a concert. We started talking about how much we loved each other. We ended up in Las Vegas getting married the next day. She loves when I tell this story. But I tell people, I use that in marriage counseling because... Still, it doesn't matter if you get uh, married in that way. In Madison, if you talk to Morgan, that's not the right way, right? <laughs> Make sure she knows that. Um, but God still makes the difference in your marriage, right? If I hadn't continued to grow in the Lord and continued with us together, it still probably wouldn't have worked. But God still makes the difference in your marriage. But so that morning, there I was, and this, this is an example of justification as we become Christians, right? That morning, I'm standing there. I didn't really have a good example as a father. I, I didn't know what it was to be a dad. I didn't know what it was to be a husband. Definitely didn't know what it was to be a husband. But in that moment when I said, I do, all of a sudden, I was a husband. And I've spent this last 30 years trying to become that. That's sanctification. See, when we say yes to Jesus, we might not know what we're doing. Probably don't. But in that moment, we're a Jesus follower and a Christian, and we spend the rest of our lives becoming that which we were declared that day in Christ. 
And so here I was a husband and growing into that and the we there's a lot of side stories but we grew I graduated from college we moved back back to Texas and that was about a two-year three-year span and I was trying so hard I knew there was something to this Jesus that had come alongside me when I started praying when we started going to church but I was struggling I didn't know I didn't have mentors I didn't have anything as far as that but I was just trying I knew there was something real to it but my eyes just had not been open clearly I was seeing through a veil and when we got down in te to Texas first summer we're here uh, her mom is the faithful one in the family she's the matriarch of her family uh, probably indirectly through Des through her mom uh, her mom's witness is probably why I'm ultimately became a pastor but at the time, she was just my mother-in-law. And she was talking about this thing. Oh, I want Jim to go on this walk to Emmaus. And I said, I told Des, I'm not going on this walk to Emmaus. Because, I, I mean, I'm still in my early 20s and rebellious and more in the world. And no mother-in-law is going to rope me into going in anything like this. And so I thought I was sly. So I told Desiree, I'll go on this walk to Emmaus if your brother Kim goes. Now, her brother Kim... Uh, very successful businessman and I didn't think there was any way in the world she was going to talk him into going and it was in August and we were at a family celebration at the lake for 4th of July and he wanted to leave to go on a business weekend um, trip it's a it was a golf trip for business right but she was going to be mad if he left so unbeknownst to me he promised to go on the walk to Emmaus if she wouldn't be mad So in August, I'm signed up and getting ready to go on the walk to Mace. And I am not happy about it. Now, in front of her family, and understand, I'm not even thinking about being a pastor at this point. I'm a young, 22-year-old, well, 23 maybe, Christian, trying to be Christian. And I had no clue. So I, in front of her family, I was joking and saying stupid stuff like, bring cigarettes i hear like they're like money in there or uh, you know or they're they let the dogs out at night so you don't, can't leave or just stupid stuff but when i was with my wife alone i was ugly to her i can't believe i got it da, 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 da. you know you can imagine get roped in this by your mom i gotta wait and and that weekend left an impression it was like Notre Dame, number two, and Florida State, number three, playing on Saturday, and I was going to miss it. All right, there, were, there was my priorities. And so I said I'd go, and so we went, and her brother went, and he was at a different table. And it began to open. It was just like the Scripture says. I walked along with this, uh, walked along with this, um, my table group, heard the talks, heard the sharing, went to the chapel, and my eyes began slowly to open over time. It wasn't one big moment, but, well, there was one big moment, but slowly it kind of began. Afterwards, when we were talking about it and talking about the big weekend, I was taught, one of the things I said to her family, but when joking-wise, I said, all right, I'm going to this, this, this meeting, but if there's any of this men hugging men, I'm out of here, right? 
And afterwards, when we were talking about it and reliving our experience, I was talking to her brother. He goes, yeah, I knew you were, your eyes were opening. Uh, he goes, about Saturday morning, you were really getting into it. I said, how do you know? He goes, I looked over, you were hugging some guy. <laughs> but the one that really got me, combination of this story and of this text, is that evening. That evening, there's a special candlelight service. And some of you have went and gone, oh, no, he just told them. They'll, they'll forget. They won't know. But there, as we kind of walk through the crowd, there, there's people that I didn't know. It was the people that had brought us. And I'd kind of walk through the crowd, and there was this candlelight. And I, I'm just caught up in the weekend. I'm on a mountaintop experience, you know, hugging guys and just praising God and learning about Jesus. I'm on a mountaintop experience. I'd forgotten everything up before that. And we're walking, and we're walking, and I turn this corner, and there's this crowd. And with this glow of this candle just radiating, I think it was more than just the candle, there's Desiree. And the Lord just convicted me. And just, this is what the Lord does. He uses our own stupidness against us. And in that moment, I just remembered, here I, I mean, it made me cry. I said, all she wanted to do was to open my eyes to Jesus Christ. And I was so mean and ugly to her. But in that moment, my eyes were opened to how much I loved her, how much Jesus loved me, in that moment, my eyes were open. And that's what God does for us in different ways, in different fashions. You know, mine just happens to be when you know each other two months and you're becoming a Christian and you get married, your marriage coincides with your walk with the Lord. And mine mo definitely does. And it is, I, I had to write an extra paper when I was going through the process to become an elder because it's so close. The board was quizzing me, and I said, my marriage is like a sacrament to me. I said, like a sacrament. And they said, well, you know marriage isn't a sacrament. I know it's not a sacrament. Well, write another paper about why marriage isn't a sacrament. <laughs> but to me, it is. It's like a sacrament because it has walked hand in hand. She was a general, a very specific answer to my general prayer, reaching out to know God better. And it was through her, through her mom's faithful witness to her that she came, I always tell people, she came up to Chicago. I don't know why else she was there, but she was up there to grab me and bring me back to Texas. So double blessing, Christian and a Texan, <laughs> right? So that's my story. And, then, and I want to say in front of everybody that I love you, Des, and I, See? <laughs> I'm not usually a crier, but I told I'm getting ready to do the wedding for my son, and I told I told his wife. I said, "I just got to tell you, Amanda. You might not know this, but I may or may not cry." She's like, "Really?" I said, "Really." But I love you, Des. For this has been an amazing trip. I'm not sure why you're wearing black. <laughs> but I love you and happy anniversary.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for how you never give up on us, how you use people to open our eyes that we might see your love and your grace and your mercy more, that, that our eyes might be open and we might recognize you walking alongside of us, us in this world. So Lord, I pray that all of us would look to where you are walking alongside, that you would open our eyes, and Lord, that we would, your love and your grace, your mercy would be revealed to us more fully each and every day as we give ourselves more fully to you. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. It's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.